0: Good morning, Ocean Hills. If you haven't noticed, we set up a little differently today. Our intention was to be in the round so that there's no stage, there's no sense of a performance. It's just that we, the people of God, are gathered together, all as participants, all as bringing the worship and the devotion together as one community, right? So I know the sun is not making it real easy to be on this side. We're taking note of that. That was an unforeseen piece. But I wanna encourage you as we're singing, if you wanna come and scooch closer or stand around, you absolutely may. Don't be offended if you're looking at someone's backside. We're just all, I mean, these guys have beautiful backsides, so it'll, it'll work out okay. So are you guys ready? Joseph just Joseph just asked John that. He said, I, "I think so." And then Joe said, "Well, you better get ready cuz God's about to move in this place." Whoa. Right? We believe that. Do you believe that? So will you stand with us and declare that our God is the way, the truth, the life? If you got a lyric sheet, please follow along and sing with us. Otherwise, the lyrics
1: are on your app. Here we go. Every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that You are my fortress. You are my portion. You are my hiding place. And I believe You are the way, the truth, the life. What? Mercies that are new. All my fees and doubts, yes, they can all come to because they can't stay long.
0: want to teach you a new song that speaks another name that we don't use very often, but it's a beautiful name, Jehovah Jireh, and that means the Lord will provide, and so when we sing this song and we say, Jireh, you are enough, I will be content in every circumstance because you are enough. We're saying, almost prophetically, you, you are providing, but you will provide, you will see to it to be present, to provide, to walk with. He is enough. He is always enough. And there's a line in the song that even says, you are enough, so I am enough. It's like when we are leaning on him and we are operating under his shadow, under his umbrella, we get to just live in that place of enoughness, that place of contentment, because God, our provider, is always providing So I don't know who needs to hear that or speak that or sing that today, but Lord, I just pray right now that you would just run ahead and any heart here that is in this place that does not feel enough, that does not feel loved, that does not feel seen, does does not feel known, that as we sing this song, they would feel your presence, your peace, your Holy Spirit, the revelation that you are the provider God, and you are always enough, and you are singing over them today, right here in this place. Let's sing this together.
1: I'll never be more loved than I am right. Now Wasn't holding you up So there's nothing I can do to let you down Doesn't take a trophy to make you proud I'll never be more loved than I am right now Going through a storm, but I won't go hear your voice carried in the rhythm of the wind to call me out you yeah. would cross an ocean so I wouldn't drive
0: questioning, like, God, are you going to provide? Are you going to show up? You've been silent. Or you're providing in a way that I didn't really want you to provide. (laughs) That happens too. So let's just lay that at his feet. Maybe even just open your palms. We're just going to release whatever we need into his hands and trust that he is the provider. So let's call on his name, Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. Here we go. Let's sing it together. Sing it out, Jaira.
1: You are Jaira, you are enough, Jaira.
2: Justin, Justin, there we go. If you guys can still stay standing with me. Maybe just take a deep breath and close your eyes as I read this psalm moment. We remember that God is Jaira, our always enough provider. In Psalm 146, we are reminded that joyful are those who have God of Israel as their helper whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made the heavens and earth, and sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed, and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoner. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts lifts up those who are weighed down. Pray with me. God, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for being Jehovah Jireh. Always enough. Forever enough. More than enough. Let us just remind ourselves that you are enough, God. Be with us. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. I am Brandon, by the way, um, director of Ocean Hills Youth, fifth through eighth grade. I'm here to dismiss our kindergarten through fourth graders. You guys can head out to your O-Kids teams, which are right over there, and our lovely fifth through eighth graders. You guys can also be dismissed, and you guys can see me and Delaney in the back. And let's welcome up John Ireland.
0: I think we're gonna sing one oh, more just song. kidding that's okay <laughs> Let's just remind each other that God is the authority and we as his children have take part in that authority So Lord, we give you this time. It's yours to do with as you will. Lord, open our hearts. Quiet our egos, our agenda, our discomfort, our distraction. Lord, come and have your way. We declare that you have all authority in this space. We ask you to come and move
3: now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. All right, here we go. In the round. This will be uh, fun. I'm reading a book this summer and even into September. It's uh, by a professor at Fuller Seminary, Todd Bolsinger. He actually wrote a fantastic leadership book called Canoeing the Mountains. If you haven't read it and you're a leader, you're going to want to grab that. But uh, he wrote a second book. It's called Tempered... Resilience, tempered resilience, how leaders are formed in the crucible of change. I want to just read as we start this message this morning. Resilience, when we think about resilience, it usually falls into two categories. Number one, surviving in the face of harsh personal adversity. Surviving in the face of harsh personal Adversity and two, bouncing back from a failure or setback and continuing on, and continuing on, bouncing back, continuing on. He goes on to say resilience is the ability to wisely persevere toward the mission that God has put before you, both the external challenges out there, and the internal resistance in your own life, but also in your own inner circle, your teammates, your family, right? Let me say it again. Resilience is the ability to wisely persevere toward the mission that God has put before you amid both the external and the internal resistance. Well, if you're new with us, we're in a series called Rebuilding. We're in an Old Testament book, the book of Nehemiah. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open it. Nehemiah chapter 4 and also chapter 6. The theme today is resilience in the face of critics and opposition. Raise your hand if you have somebody that's been critical of who you are, your leadership, how you're either at work At home, in church, have you? If there's pastors in here, I know they're all raising their hands. I I have pastor friends. It's one of the hardest parts of being a leader in the church is there's just opposition. There's critics, there's negative Nellies, there's Eeyores. You're trying to do something for God and inevitably there are people that don't like what you're doing. My youth pastor, mentor, spiritual father, Dave Hicks, he told me that the person who never faces opposition the person who never faces opposition isn't going anywhere if you have no opposition in your life if you have no what are you doing with your life you're wasting your life you're not moving towards the mission of God you're not making spiritual commitments to grow and make progress and move the mission of Jesus forward in this world because when we do that inevitably, there are going to be people that are in opposition to change, even if it's good change. People are resistant in general to this fear of loss, this fear of things being different, this fear of, wait a minute, I liked it the way it was. How come we're not having worship up here? Why are we in the round today? Some of you already have your minds thinking that, like, who thought of this, man? Well, here we are. In Isaiah chapter 4 and then also 6, did I say Isaiah? I did. Nehemiah chapter 4 and chapter 6. Both chapters, Nehemiah is, comes up against opposition and critics. Now, as a reminder, God has given Nehemiah, our main character, one task. To rebuild, to rebuild, to rebuild, to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And in chapters one, two, and three, we have looked at and studied that he wept and he mourned over a city and over a people that were broken, that were in ruins in every sense, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he planned, and he planned, and he got everybody involved in the rebuilding effort. Scott Lisea brought that word last week, and we we looked at the the, the next two, and next two, and next. Everybody was involved, and up to this point, things are going actually really good. There's momentum. He's got to be feeling like, man, I'm a spiritual leader. God's with me, and then the critics appear. The sabotage appears, the insults appear, the resistance appears. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 and 7 and 8, I'm just going to read a short portion and then make some applications. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. Somebody got angry when Nehemiah started rebuilding. That's what we read here. He flew into a rage. Wow, that's some strong reaction. He flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samarian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Insult. Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices, mocking? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Pushing towards and into discouragement. Verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. And when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and Ammonites, and Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. Opposition, resistance. In verse 8, they all made plans. They all made plans to come and fight against us and throw us into confusion. So in reading the text, do you feel, do you hear, just simmer in this. Nehemiah is trying to do something good. He's trying to move the mission of God forward. He's trying to build these protective walls around the city of Jerusalem and honor God. But he has critics and opposition. And if you've ever had a critic or been opposed when you're trying to grow, when you're trying to make a spiritual commitment, when you're trying to to rebuild your family or rebuild your reputation or rebuild, you, you fill in the blank. And people roll their eyes and people don't believe in you and people mock you and people kind of quit on you or put you down or oppose what you're trying to do. That can lead to deep, 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 discouragement, right? We get discouraged in the face of opposition. And many of us just quit. We just give up and go forget it. I'm not going to do it. But not Nehemiah. And that's why today the theme is about resilience in the face of adversity and opposition and criticism. Critics and opposition make you and make me want to stop the work. And so I've just given you a heads up today. If you make a commitment to grow spiritually, to become more like Jesus, to reconcile a strained or broken relationship, to get sober, to get out of debt so you can become a more generous giver, whatever it is, you're, you're trying to make progress, movement, advance the kingdom of God in your life, I'm telling you, you will face opposition, criticism adversity in your life. Just expect that. And it'll come from out there, like Nehemiah, but it'll also come within your inner circle. Sometimes that opposition hurts the most. Your friends aren't supporting you. You're trying to make a spiritual decision or advance in your walk with Christ or move the mission forward, and your own family isn't with you. And that leads to discouragement, and you just like, forget it. I want to quit. I think that's, honestly, I think that's one of the reasons why so many people in my profession today, I mean, it, the statistics are absurd. Mark Laberton, president of Fuller said, I've never seen a mass exodus out of the ministry since COVID. Like ministers are just quitting. They're resigning. It's just too much. The criticism, the attacks, the complaining, the opposition on both sides, It just discourages you, and if you faced it in your own life, you know what I'm talking about. The opposition can be out there, it can be in close, it can be up here in our head. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy with shame. We're beating ourselves up over our signature sin. We're trying to grow in this area, and it's like, oh my gosh, last night, again, Saturday night, here I am. Asking for forgiveness. And and, and we just want to quit because we feel like the adversary that Paul talks about in Ephesians, that this battle isn't just about flesh and blood here. There's spiritual powers of darkness that are also at work opposing what God wants to do in your life and through your life. So that sets us up to reflect on Nehemiah. And I want to ask us to reframe, rather than get discouraged and and stop the work that God wants to do, I want to have us reframe, reframe opposition, reframe critics, reframe adversity. And rather than let that discourage and sabotage and stop the work of God in us and through us, I'm framing this talk this way, how critics can make us better and stronger and more resilient. How critics and opposition and adversity can make us better and stronger and more resilient. So a few reflections. Number one, when you face opposition and critics, you realize that you can't do it yourself. Critics will make you humble. They will humble you. If you've ever faced opposition, it, it just causes you to stop, and you do. You question yourself. You, you, but it also keeps you from being arrogant if you have a tender heart toward God. right? There, there is a silver lining in that. Nehemiah chapter 4, listen to this. It was the inside people, his teammates, they said, it says, Then the people of Judah, they began to complain. The workers are getting tired. There is so much rubble. To be moved. And then here it is 11 words. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. 11 words that can change your life. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. You know what? They're right. <laughs> That's the silver lining. When we embrace that, not in discouragement, but in truth and humility, I'm not going to be able to rebuild my marriage by myself. I'm not going to be able to rebuild this church by myself. I'm not going to be able to rebuild my reputation by myself. I need community. I need brothers and sisters to pray for me, to support me, to encourage me, to, 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 and to cry out to God on my behalf. And I, and I need the help of God. I'm never going to be able to do that great work of God by myself. And you won't be able to do it either. But that's a good thing. Opposition and adversity, I think the silver lining is, I hope it keeps you humble and it keeps you hungry for God. Humble, I can't do it. But hungry, God, I need your help. Humble, I don't have what it takes. But hungry, God, I need you to show up. I need you to be my Jehovah Jireh. I need you to provide right now because I don't have what it takes. I don't have the resources. But God, you do. Number two, you'll get real clear in the face of opposition and critics and adversity. You will get real clear about your why. And it's Simon Sinek, right? You guys know that name. He's the one who's, who's really developed a whole business around his book about knowing your why. Why, why am I doing what I'm doing? Listen to this quote. If we want to feel we're contributing to something bigger than ourselves, we all need to know our why. Why am I doing this? Why? So let's go back to Nehemiah. Verse 14 of chapter 4, Nehemiah gets real clear about the why. After looking things over, Nehemiah says, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, and here it is, don't be afraid of them. Talking about the opposition, the critics, the adversity, the enemy. Don't be afraid of them. Remember, the Lord, who is great and awesome. Stop there. Remember the Lord, who is great and What's he saying? What's the why? The why is, remember, we're here to honor God. Remember that God is so awesome. He is so great. He can do anything, and we're here to serve him, to honor him. That's the first part of his why. He's going, we're going to keep moving in the face of adversity because we are here to honor God and move his mission forward. But then he goes on to say, remember the Lord, who's great and awesome, and... Fight for your families, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Friends, your families, your children, our children, our marriages, they are worth fighting for. And Nehemiah is saying, That's the why. That's the why. Honor God and remember your loved ones, remember your families, remember you getting better, you growing closer to Christ, you becoming more like Jesus. That's going to influence your kids. That's going to influence your families. That's going to influence your church, your community. That's the deeper why. why. Why am I going to make this spiritual commitment? Oh, because my parents want me to. You're not going to do it. Why am I going to take this step spiritually and make this sacrifice? Oh, because my wife wants me to. You're not going to do it because you have to, you have to know your why. Why am I? Because, because I believe that I want to honor God with my wife and... I want to become more like Jesus Christ because I know when I do that, I become a more loving person, a gentler soul. I choose humility and kindness and compassion. And you know what? When I become that kind of a person, everybody around me, my family, my teammates, my church, my leaders, everybody gets better when I get better. Is that true? And everybody around you gets better when you get better. When you become more, that's the why. And Nehemiah knew that. So why do you want to rebuild your life? Let me just pause and ask you to reflect on that. What is it that you're trying to rebuild right now in your life? I just have some questions. Maybe some of you today are going, I need to rebuild my marriage God's way. I have some family relationships that are in ruins. And I want to rebuild those why i want to get sober why get in touch with your why i want to get remarried i want to get married for the first why i want to give money to god's work in this church as we buy a, a building and re, but why why give to it i mean you got to get in touch with that because when we get in touch with the why And this leads to my third reflection. You will pay the price of hard work and persistence. Nehemiah 4, verses 6, and then 21 and 22. Listen to the language. Nehemiah says, so we rebuilt the wall in the face of opposition. They kept working. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. And then underline this in your Bibles. For the people worked with all their heart. You don't do anything with all your heart unless you know your why. Unless you know why you're doing it. Nehemiah is saying the people were passionate, all in. In it together, but all in. Sacrificing and giving their all. And then listen to this. So we continued the work with half the men holding their spears, because we got enemies around us, And then here's the line from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. What does that tell you about these people? From the moment they woke up until the moment they went to bed, they were all in, they were all about God's mission through them. Verse 22, at that time, I also said to the people, let every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. All in. When we know and believe in the why, we're living the way we're living, doing what we're doing, giving what we're giving towards, we will pay the price of hard work, of persistence, of sacrifice. And rebuilding this wall was rebuilding the protection around their families and honoring God. So what are you rebuilding? What are you rebuilding in your life? Some of you know that I have had in the past, I'm trying to rebuild my reputation I have a reputation of being a guy that lives life of the better offer. Hey, you want to come over Friday night and do something? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I don't say this out loud, but I'm waiting to see if anything else comes up. Better than you. Right? What kind of a friend is that? What kind of a teammate is that? What kind of a family member is that? Not a very reliable one. Not a very dependable one. Not a person that you go, when John says he's going to be there, he's going to be there. When he commits to something, he commits to something. So, I got a call this week. And my staff know this, I told them. They kind of helped me process it a little bit. I got a call to do a celebrity wedding this week that is going to be huge. And guess what? It's on a Thursday at 4 o'clock in November. I'm like, awesome! I mean, what am I doing at 4 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon? I look at my calendar. Over the next year, I do not have one wedding on a Thursday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, except on that day, (laughs) at that time. What am I gonna do? What's God want to rebuild in my life, my integrity, my reputation, that when I make a commitment, I keep it? Old John says, hey, sorry, guys, I I can't do your wedding anymore. Something came up. New John says to the celebrity, I can't do it. I mean, you got to change the time or, or, or the day, but I can't do it. I've already made a commitment. Do you know how hard that was for me? That was so hard. Whoa. What's the point when you get serious about rebuilding an area of your, you rebuild your marriage. It's not going to happen by accident. Oh, we just happen to have this great marriage now. No, no, no. Day after day, choice after choice, it's the little decisions, it's small things often. If you're going to rebuild your reputation about being a dependable person, you're as good as your last choice. I was telling the the teachers of of the O kids, I can't tell you how many times this has happened to me in this town. I commit to a small group. We're going to do a mentoring group. It's high commitment, though. We're going to do it Thursday nights once a month. Unless you're in the hospital, you better be there. And then guess what happens on that Thursday of that mentoring group? I get a call Hey, I got two extra tickets to the bowl tonight, Santa Barbara bowl, great concert. You want to go? Uh, That small group, Uh, hey, you guys, can't make it tonight. Is that who I'm going to be? Is that who you're going to be, right? That's what happens. That's part of the adversity, the hardship. If you want to grow, if you want God to use you in a powerful way like he used Nehemiah, you're going to have to learn to embrace the hardship, the adversity, say no. Face sacrifices to build the life or rebuild the life that you want and that God wants for you. Let me close with this thought. Number This last reflection is when you face opposition, part of the silver lining, the way we become more resilient and we get better and stronger, is it, it can, if you let it, cause you to pray more. You will pray more when you face adversity, right? That's what happens. Hopefully, if you're a Jesus follower, it's like, Oh my gosh, why is this happening? Why? God, help me. Give me clarity. Look at Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 4. And then I prayed, hear us, O God. We're being mocked in the midst of, of being criticized and ridiculed. He cries out to God. He lets God into his journey. Chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. They all made plans to come and fight against us, throw us into confusion. But we prayed. But we prayed to our God. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. Chapter 6, verse 9. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands are going to be too weak for the work. And they won't be able to complete it. Nehemiah then writes, but I prayed. But I prayed. Strengthen my hands, O God. Nehemiah models for us again and again and again and again. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Let God into your journey. Bring God into the challenge. Bring God into the opposition. I was in my, I would call it my heyday at Montecito Covenant Church. I was the youth pastor up there, and I felt like I was, I was in my heyday. Our ministry was flourishing, thriving, and I had a parent come into my office From a core family in our church. And a parent walked in and said, I was sitting there at my desk, and she said, we don't want you here anymore. (laughs) What? Yeah, we don't want you here anymore. We want you to quit. We want you to leave. Number one, who does that? And number two, how do you respond? How do you become resilient in the face of that? After you weep. And that leads me to my closing point. I I put it in my notes. The closing zinger. And here's what I wrote. It's common for us to all identify with Nehemiah in this story. The person facing resistance, insults, adversity, and opposition. The one being criticized. We identify easily with that. But... What if you are more like Sanballat, the critical person, the one who's constantly resisting, opposing, Eeyore, negative Nelly, resistant to the movement of God, resistant to the mission of God moving forward because you want different, you want change, or you don't want change, you don't want different. And I'm going to close with that thought. As I lead us to communion today. Is it possible that somebody here is Sanballat? We're all going, oh yeah, I got these critics in my but, but are you that in your children's life? The critical one. They're never good enough for you. Or in your spouse. Are you the one that's always pointing out what's wrong with him or her? where they're not measuring up, where you don't think it's a great idea. Or maybe you're that person in your workplace, or you that teammate, or on a board, a leadership team. You're the one that's like, oh, that's my role. It's really hard to live your life that way. It's like my daughter says to me when, when I'm that way. I've shared this before. She says, Dad, who hurt you? <laughs> That's kind of our inside family joke now. When I become negative Nellie, and I have that in me. I can be judgy and critical. She's like, Dad, who hurt you? <laughs> and it gives me pause. Yeah, why, why, am I, why am I opposing this? Why am I resisting Jesus Christ faced opposition. We know that. In fact, ironically, the forces of evil were trying to get him not to die on the cross. <laughs> he saved others, let him save himself, right? Let's, let's figure out a way to sabotage his work on the cross. Let's figure out a way to divert him. Let's try and tempt him so he won't die on that cross for the sins of the the world. And then, of course, in the ultimate resilient act, he died but bounced back. He rose again after three days. He conquered death. The greatest opposition, the forces of evil and death itself, he overcame that when he died and then rose again. So for those of you that would say, I I want to follow Christ. I want God to make me more like Jesus. I, I want to be part of the mission of God, the rebuilding work in my life, in my family, in my school, at UCSB, or at Westmont, or at San Marcos, or wherever you go to school. You're saying, I want, I want not to be Sanbalat, the critic. I, I actually want to be a resilient leader, a resilient person. A resilient family member. I want to be an agent of change and reconciliation and healing. If that's you today, I invite you to hear the words of our Lord Jesus that on the night in which he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat it in remembrance of me. So go ahead and open up the top part of your little container, and there's a little wafer. The body of Christ, broken for you. In, in unity today, we will take. We're one body, so we'll take of the one loaf together. Go ahead and take that. If you don't have uh, if you don't have communion, there's some up here. Come on up and. Uh, I better not throw one at you. <laughs> my critics will uh, show up in my life. Here you go. Now, before we drink of the cup, maybe, maybe right here, right now, just take a moment. Close your eyes. This could be a time of confession. Where is Sanballat, that spirit of Sanballat growing in you? Where might you be guilty of being a person who has a critical spirit? The one who's resisting in opposition to the work that God's trying to do in this world, in this church, in your family, in your school. Maybe just bring that to the Lord. Lord, Lord, I wanna humbly just acknowledge that I'm part of the problem of this world, that I do have a spirit that can be critical and judgmental. Lord, would you wash my sin away right here, right now in this moment? Jesus took the cup and he said, "This is my blood which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take and eat or take and drink in remembrance of him." Go ahead and Today's a brand new day. The church needs resilient people. The people of God are called to be resilient in the face of opposition. Not by being abrasive, but by being loving. By being a force, not a farce. And the force of God's kingdom is a kingdom of love. It's upside down from the way of this world. And so let's sing together. Let's stand together. And as the people of God, it doesn't matter how well you sing. Sing loud. Let's fill this quad, this patio, with the praises. In fact, Jono, didn't you tell me? You said yesterday at our spiritual retreat the password. Say that again. Say that. Tell me that again. I love that. And I've already forgotten The password to getting into God's presence is praise. Think about that. The password to God's presence is we're going to praise Him. We're going to give thanks to Him. We're going to remind Him how good He is. Let's sing together.
1: Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling Have you come to escape from the Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open. But with the precious blood of...
4: Good to be together, to be reminded of God's faithfulness. Can we just lift up a shout of praise? God giving us this courtyard to be in. Come on. This amazing, what an amazing day. Let's keep praying for good weather so we can keep doing this. And um, what a a blessing to be together, to be here as one family, worshiping God. And uh, we like to say this is just a taste of what God has for you. This is just the beginning. We want, it, we want you to get outside the visitor center and experience the beauty, the wonder, the amazing love of God through life-giving and life-changing relationships. Okay, so don't miss out. Don't just let this be your experience. I have just three quick things, three announcements. So for everybody here, everybody's invited to this. So stay, stay with me here. The first one's coming up. It's one of our essential... Core classes is called Alpha. It's a foundations class on wh- who is Jesus? Why did he die? Who is God? It's a place to ask questions, to bring your doubts, to bring your questions, and, and to, to talk about it honestly. What are the essentials of our faith? And I was just talking to Jen, uh, our, our staff person, Jen Holford, who was saying she took this with her husband because they had very different faith backgrounds and it really brought them close together. Cause they started talking about Jesus. It, it, it started new conversations in their relationship. So what a great thing to do. So if, if you're just kind of questioning Jesus, maybe this is for you. If you have been a Christian for 30 years and you want to just go back to the basics, what, why? Why am I doing this? Why do we do this? So look for that. That's Alpha. It's coming up October 13th. The second thing I want to invite you to, something brand new we're going to try in our new building, and that's an Old Testament survey. If you're wondering, is the God of the Old Testament really the God of the New Testament? How, How do I reconcile these two gods? They seem so different. Our Bible teacher back here, Max Beers, wave your hand. He's going to walk us through the Old Testament on a Sunday morning. It's going to be three weeks, October 24th, and the next three weeks over at 1002 and a kappa so look for those two options those are on your app the website and the last thing I want to just encourage you with today we are we are in a rebuilding building campaign we are in a a time where God is is renewing us and he's he's bringing us back and it's beautiful and it's wonderful And, and this moment is a is a season we have declared for prayer this fall. We we need you to pray with us. We want to pray just like Nehemiah just cried out to the Lord. We want you to help us and, and come together with us to pray for wisdom, to pray for protection, and to pray for provision that God would would come through. He's, he has opened the door for us to be in this building. So would you want to invite you to pray with us? You can grab one of those little flyers on the way out about the building to remind you. This is how I could pray for Ocean Hills and for our community. Our world needs Jesus more than ever. Can I get an amen on that? More than just John. Our world needs Jesus more than ever. And, and we, God has given us a mission in this city. So let's let's rebuild together. Let's pray together. We like to say God is good all the, all the time. All right. If you want to support the ministry, you can go on the app or the website, or you can just drop something in the baskets over there. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you soon.
1: This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. Bring it to Jesus. This is how I find my battles. Are we surrounded? It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. Fight my battles. Okay. This is how I fight my battles. This is how right here, right now. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by You, Jesus. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by You. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by You. It may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by my this is, my this is
0: my Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen
1: page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.